Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Diedrich, and Me. This is episode number 69, and today we are going to be continuing our discussion on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's time at Finkenwald. Last week, if you remember, we spent some time uh, discussing what was it that led to Dietrich beginning the underground seminary at Finkenwald, and then we talked about kind of the implications that our our seminaries today, our teachers today, are are we are we producing pastors? Are we producing Christians? Are we producing leaders that are going to be willing to step up and step into the the role of the persecuted church and to to help to pastor and to facilitate that leadership uh, while the church is under attack? And I think we kind of uh, we we did we dived into some good conversation, and that's a that's a good I think. Uh, prerequisite would that be would that be fair prereq uh if you haven't listened to that episode and this is your first time listening uh i I would highly recommend going back just one episode uh, and listening to that first because it's a really good prologue to to what we're going to be talking about today which are the the writings that dietrich produced while he was teaching there most notably uh writings that we've certainly spent time talking about on this podcast uh the cost of discipleship and life together uh, those are probably his most, those are probably his most famous writings. Fair to say, yeah, yeah, most famous writings. Popular so, ones, yeah. Popular, yeah. So we wanted to start off with some good news because uh, this week has been uh, not the greatest. It's been a week from hell for us, um, and, and we know that those of you that listen are uh, m- many of you are active in the ministry, many of you are supporters of the ministry, many of you just think and pray for the ministry, and, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, we rejoice because at St. Stephen, so not here at Family of God, but at St. Stephen, one of the families, we had the opportunity on Sunday, one of the one of the families that just started to come back, uh, there was a, it was a mother and a mother and four children by, and her husband. Uh, they have, she grew up in the neighborhood, uh, was baptized as a baby at St. Stephen, and came to us two weeks ago uh, when we celebrated the baptism of Jesus. Uh, and for some reason, I mean, I'm a, I tend to think I can be a pretty catechetical preacher at times for sure. And at the baptism of Jesus, I thought, hey, good opportunity to review <laughs> what it is that we actually do believe and confess about baptism. And it just so happened that after that, after that uh, service, this family came up and uh, the mother asked if we would be willing to baptize uh, her four children and do a remembrance of baptism for her. So we rejoiced in that, and we we did that within a week. And Sunday, we baptized four and remembered a fifth, and that was a pretty awesome day for us uh, as we celebrated four new members of the kingdom of God and the, the reminder of the grace and the mercy that God first bestowed upon this the mother of, of these four children and who's really ma- making some wonderful steps in in kind of getting her life together and and really devoting herself to being a mother and a follower of Christ so we're rejoicing with that but all that to be said that it seems like with with any any victory that a that a Christian may have the devil is always going to be there to bite back and we got here to family of god and uh, we had found out that uh, one of our one of our ladies here had overdosed 
and passed away. We had found out that another one of our ladies had been hit by a car and was currently in surgery. Well, at first we didn't know what was going on with that. Uh, we couple that with uh, working with one of our one of our men that has been in and out of jail, seeming his whole life, uh, and was working on a, 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 a sentence for drug trafficking and things like that. And of course, we had a couple other instances that came here. And I think I was talking, Nick, I was talking with you. And I, I said, this is kind of typically how Satan works. Uh, we have five reasons to celebrate, five reasons to rejoice. And got, Satan's going to give us five, if not six, uh, reasons to, hey, uh, still here, guys, and let's let's remember that I'm that this is still my neighborhood. I still I still run these streets, and certainly we know that Christ reigns, but we also know that His kingdom is not of this world, and that's just kind of how how the week has been, and that has all kind of transitioned into the week, and there's been kind of an ongoing. Uh, how would you what would you call that? Like a, Satan's got all of his arrows, and he's. Uh, a flurry of arrows just right. kind of firing one after another and so the armor of christ is for right yes the shield of faith and but he's looking to shoot us when we're not looking and not armed yeah well he's kind of cowardly in that way yeah. kind of wait till you turn your back it's a back shooter in the back. what it's a back shooter yeah he's a back shooter for old sure. westerns right the villains always shoot you in the back well nick has never seen a western so he well not a john wayne western yes <laughs> no that was that was alex right Alex would never seen a John. Or was that you too? It's Alex. Me too. Oh, oh. oh it's Alex oh, it's and both. me too. Yes, good. True confessions. <laughs> the other one now. It's Alex. It. Me yeah. too. Oh my goodness! That's what drowning people. Do. Why they, that's they, why there's no hope, hope for manhood in this generation. <laughs> that's right. Not yes. Uh, anyway, before, from my generation's before viewpoint, we, before we get too far off the rails here. Uh, yes, we wanted to share that with you all. Uh, so we, we, we rejoice uh, with with Sabrina and Miguel and Angel and Romeo and little Alana, Eliana, and uh, the, the the faith that they have been baptized into and, and being being children of God. With all that being said, we are going to transition and we are going to uh, start the discussion today on the post-Finkenwald writings. This is the, the chapter... In the book on the cross of reality, if you have the book, uh, it begins on page was about three hundred, gentlemen. Yeah, we're starting at two ninety four, though. We're starting at two ninety four, but the chapter begins at three hundred three. But uh, yeah, we wanted to kind of tidy up the last chapter, put a nice bow on it. So the the, the quotation that we wanted to pull from and just kind of begin the discussion. So, uh, Galen Barker, the author, he's he's talking about Dietrich and and kind of the future, and he writes this. He says ultimately. Dietrich has his eye on the future, and this is 294, a future in which pastors would be called upon to preach the gospel and live out Christian discipleship in a world where the church and its confession were under attack. Yeah, that kind of almost summarizes the last session we had where the question was, are, is our seminary system preparing pastors who are ready to face you know, the onslaught of, of a country uh, culture that is antichrist and I'm thinking the answer to that is no we spend too much time teaching them to be theologically pure which is important and no time or very little time on teaching them how to be Christ followers followers disciples under oppression and persecution 
Um, and that's a disservice to the young men because the world they're heading into is going to be just like that. And uh, my opinion, they're going to have to either accommodate or be persecuted. Are we training them how to stand up under persecution and more importantly, uh, set examples and disciple their own people to stand firm under persecution? So. We are definitely learning how to do pure doctrine, yeah. <laughs> like you said earlier, which is an important first step, and you need that backbone um, for being in the ministry. But the latter of being a disciple of Christ is not so much yeah, as so important. For, for Lutherans, I'm looking for the page now, 305, he says, Bonhoeffer is talking about his own church in his own time. It was a church void of discipleship void. Not weak, void. Right. Um, That's scary. And then elsewhere the book talks about discipleship. Well, that's the subject of legalists, the Reformed, or enthusiasts. That's how we Lutherans sweep that all the way instead of of facing the truth that Bonhoeffer says over and over again is that we're called to follow Christ, to pick up our own cross. And in fact, we're called to a life of suffering and even death in following him. Mm-hmm. That is not a message that you're going to hear from the typical Lutheran pulpit. And yet only, I think, only those who are prepared through discipleship are going to be able to survive their faith, I- able to survive what's the onslaught that's coming. Yeah. I don't even want to say coming. It's already here. Um, it's not Nazis arresting Christians and throwing them into death camps. But what kind of oppression do we face today? I mean, I, I don't want to get too much too much into the weeds, but the for, for the Christian in general, I think you know certainly there's been there there have been a well we were talking about this at lunch today. There was uh, a, a very famous comedian, very famous actor. Uh, who starred in a TV show that was probably deemed to be a fairly, I mean, it was, he was called America's Dad. It was Bob Saget. It was Danny Tanner from Full House. And there was, uh, after he passed away, there was an article that was just published uh, that essentially said something along the lines of, and I don't remember the exact publication, but uh, it was something along the lines of, you know, Bob Saget's death was, uh, you know, was the, kind of the cherry on top of a, a long history of of uh, tragedies. tragedies maybe that's the right word yeah tragedies uh, within the cast of Full House and they talked about somebody's drug abuse problem I talked about somebody's alcohol abuse somebody uh, or somebody's DUI I'm sorry somebody's uh, <laughs> there was the whole the the you know the, the fraud with the lying and, and getting money for for their kids to go to college and then under one of the one of the actors who said that she had conservative views, so this this woman is being lumped in in with fraud and drug abuse and and alcoholism because she has a traditional biblical view of marriage and gender and things like that. And I think on a service level, that's certainly where the the Christian is struggling. But I also think on a greater level, you do have, as we've talked about before, you do have the threat of the church of 
you know, the, well, the government told us to close, so we need to close. Uh, so we're going to, you know, the, the government tells, tells us that we need to be afraid of contracting a virus, so we need to withhold from giving people the, the sacrament at the altar because we haven't forbid that we get too close to one another. Those are, I think those are ways now. It's not that, you know, the, the Gestapo is not, you know, barging into the churches and, and arresting people in America, but there's still levels of, de- of degrees of persecution for sure uh, that could potentially lead to where, where this was going before. You're nodding your head back and forth. I'm thinking about it. Say what, so if I'm guilty of something, it would be my efforts to disciple men um, to follow Christ, right? Not follow me, but follow Christ. Poor vicar here is under the assault of my discipleship, right? right? And uh, we're, It's so easy to compromise. It's so easy to roll over. It's so easy to sidestep uh, when the culture demands that demands it of you to uh, as this book says a little later uh, yeah to to make trade-offs for the survival of the church which by that they mean the organization of the church not the true church but the physical church um, yeah that's it's what it's all about we we're against this but we're not going to say anything or worse than that we used to be against this, and now we're not so sure, or even worse. Yeah, we were wrong in the past, and now we're all about this, and you just fill it in. Same-sex marriage, transgender, abortion. And the problem, I think, Bonhoeffer's saying here, and he says it several times in this book, outside the church there is no salvation. Hmm. I think it might be extra words needed there. Outside the true church, the, the church, what it would be the true church. Outside the true church, there is no salvation. Outside the church that preaches Christ crucified and calls people to follow him, there is no salvation. How few of our churches preach Christ crucified? Not many, right? Even in, within our Lutheran brotherhood, yeah, it's honored more in uh, word than an actual deed. So where does that leave us? If there is no salvation in a church that has abandoned Christ crucified, then where does that put in Bonhoeffer's day? The confessing church being the only path to salvation, where does that in parallel put us in 2022? Only the church that preaches Christ and him crucified, only in that church can salvation be found, I think. It sounds awfully like I'm being very, very exclusive, Mm -hmm. but is there salvation outside of Christ crucified? I can't see you nodding your head. No. 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 And Christ crucified is not just a historical fact. It's a calling on our lives. That would be pure Bonhoeffer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and New Testament. You know, I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What does that mean in the typical Christian church in America? Yeah, pretty much nothing. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, those are words, but they have nothing to do with life. And so, 
There's persecution from outside, but there's also heresy or heretical behavior or whatever word you want to use inside the church, which is selling out, hollowing out why we're a church at all. So are we a church to preachers? He's going to go into this cheap grace, a church that's about comfort and uh, about uh, approval and, you know, probably a poor joke I used in the Bible study this morning. Did, did Jesus say to the uh, woman caught in adultery, go and sin some more? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> go and sin all you want because yeah. I'll always be here for you. I'll be right here. Come on back for your forgiveness. Right. No, he said, go and sin no more. Or, and that call to, I don't very un-Lutheran word, that call to righteousness is not heard in our churches. We're told that we're safe, we're comfortable, we're blessed, God loves us, and God requires nothing of us. And that's where the problem lies. Because to say God requires nothing from us is very unbiblical. So guys, you're being very silent or I'm being very voiceful. No, we en- we enjoy listening to you. <laughs> Thanks. Disciple discipleship. I was just, I was going to say this. The discipleship has really. I mean, we we've talked about this with with family of God before. Um, you know, in our uh, our three tiered ministry field, right? Right. And we've talked about family of God being a, a service place a service place for people that are that are here um, at, at family of God within the community. But one of the one of the places and probably the field that that I know that you believe that you're able to pour into even more is the people that come down here, and I know you know we, we get a we get a sense from, of, of that from a lot of different people that consider you and I also to be their pastors along with their other along with their pastor their home pastor and a lot of them have said that they even consider us to be their home or their pastor. And I think a lot of that has to do with your ability to disciple and your commitment to disciple, and that's why it's that's why it's always heartbreaking when when you hear that Satan got a hold of, Satan got a hold of one of one of the the men or women that we've we've spent a lot of time talking with and and pouring into, and I think we're I think Nick and I are we're sitting back a little bit just because this is this is near and dear to you, and I think yeah. I want to give the listeners an opportunity to hear that and hear your heart on that. So there's a question here, thank you, there's a question here in 305 um, that actually is connected to the discipleship. The question is, uh, how are we to live today as Christians? It's not 1950 anymore. All the heads were nodding this morning at Bible study when I said there was a day when even unbelieving America was basically in line with biblical values, but no more. Right. The sad thing is even in the church, they're not in line with biblical values. How are we to live in a persecuted environment, in a heretical environment? What does Christ call upon us to do, and who does he call on us to be? And we can't opt out. I mean, we can opt out, but that's a path of failure. Opt out means betray Christ, as far as I'm right. concerned. So how are we to live? I mean, he calls us to follow him, to continue to preach him. Um, and also to suffer for him, deal with the consequences of that. 
But we are to stand up against uh, a culture that no longer has Christian values, and we are yeah. to be outspoken and to be proclaiming Christ to people no matter what the consequences are in this culture. So, Right now the consequences are relatively mild. In other places they're relatively uh, not mild but vile. Um, why don't we do it then? If it's so clear that we are to stand up for Christ as Christ stood up for us, why don't we do it? Because it makes us uncomfortable and we're mm. we're selfish. <laughs> we want we want to do what we want to do, not yeah. what Christ wants us to do. So yeah. the, the name or the title of the book is The Cost of Discipleship. Maybe the key word in that title is Cost. Cost. Of. What does it cost? <laughs> um, and I think Bonhoeffer would say everything. Yeah. Well costs And in a way life. he'd also say nothing. Yeah. It's one of the it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's living intention. We've talked about living intention before. It's cost, it costs us nothing, but in a sense it does. Because the gift of salvation costs us nothing. We don't do anything for it. We don't do anything to it. We don't do anything to earn it. But at the same time, when the call to Christ, as Bonhoeffer says, in cost of discipleship is what? The, when call, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to give, give up his life. Mm-hmm. He bids him to come and die. And... That's a concept. Death is something that people really don't like to talk about. They really don't want to live in that. They they really want a lot of people spend a lot of time avoiding death and and pain. And pain and and I think that's why the crucified Christ is is a very difficult concept for people to wrap their minds around. Yeah. Because of what it does cost us. And in a lot of times we we fall victim to the to, to the mentality that um, yes, this is this is a free gift. It doesn't cost me anything, and but you don't. We don't always consider what it cost God. We don't always consider that in in this gift, as Scripture says, we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to Christ. righteousness. Yeah, you are still we're still. We're still a slave. We're still bound. We're still, uh, we're still. We are. We are free to serve. We are free to be within the confines of Jesus. But that is the only place that you want to be. And at that point, you have you have to trust Christ that when He sets you free to be within His, but to be within His, to be His slave essentially, to be His, to be servants of Him, as He, the ultimate servant, is that we have to trust that when we go through pain, when we go through suffering, when we go through death, that it's going to be okay because of the gift that God has given to us. So that's a hard thing. I was telling Nick and probably reminding you at, at lunch how when I first read this book, this book, you see this ratter, ratted, tattered, torn up book in maybe 1983. I was nodding my head all the way through the book and got to the point where Bonhoeffer says his most famous line in the book, which is, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I looked at that and said, that's exactly right. And then I closed the book and said, not me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pick that book up again until 1995. Um, which, by the way, those intervening years were not good years in my life because <laughs> I was an open Shocking. rebellion. Again. I knew it was right, and I chose me over Christ and 
I think it's so easy for us as Christians to hear the truth, know it's the truth, take a deep breath and say, well, that's for other special people. I've even heard preachers talk about this. Discipleship is a spiritual gift. As soon as you say that, what does that mean? I can say I, I don't, don't have, have it. Gift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, I'm excused. And yeah, no. Discipleship is not a gift. I would say discipleship is an expectation of yeah. every Christian. It comes with the gift. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when, uh, okay, so one year, one year for Christmas, I got a remote control car. Okay, great gift, wonderful gift. <laughs> You're rubbing your face, no, but no. that car comes with a manual. I was wondering how old you were. Seven or eight, maybe. Okay. And that car comes with, or whenever you get a Lego set, you get that you get a great gift, but you still, you there's a manual that comes with it, and that's. We were talking. We just the reason that this is on my brain. I think I mentioned this last last week too. Uh, Lutheran Twitter. There was a, it was a buzz with the third use of the law, right? There's still an expectation of discipleship. There's still an expectation of following Jesus, of keeping the commandments. There's still these these things. The only the difference is that that law has been fulfilled. So there is no, when you fail to keep it, which you will. There is there is that forgiveness that you lean into, but that doesn't absolve you from from discipleship. It doesn't absolve you from attempting to keep the law. You don't just the big fancy word for that is antinomian. Yeah, you don't you don't just get, get to a free say, pass. Yeah. yeah, you don't get a hall pass. You don't get to just say, well, I can't keep it, so I'm not even going to try. You still have that expectation. Why would I offend God by trying to keep His commandments? Right. Right. Well, God loves to forgive, right? So we might as well give him all the sins that he can forgive. So discipleship is not a requirement in terms of I have to follow Christ in order to be saved or stay saved. Why do we follow Christ? Because we are saved. And that's an intensely different motivation, right? I follow because he first, I love because he first loved me. I pick up my cross because he picked up his cross for me. Um, and to say I can opt out of that, that's like you said earlier, that's a perversion of Christian freedom. And so I, I, I worry that I think Bonhoeffer was certain that the church was no longer the church or else there wouldn't have been a confessing church. No need for it. And I'm worried that, in large part, the church in America is no longer the church in terms of justification, salvation, and discipleship, Uh, sanctification and discipleship, that we're preaching some other gospel. Uh, What did you say about Zwingli at lunch, Luther? Oh, I said about, yeah, when Luther and Zwingli disagreed, Luther said, we're of a different spirit. We'll yeah. never agree because we're of a different spirit, yeah. basically. You're following a different Christ. It's, he's known to say that, too. Right. Yeah. So I think, uh, well, Bible study, we talked about remnant theology, that only a portion of those uh, of us who hear, hear the Word of God will be saved because so many of us walk away from the faith or reject Christ outright or choose another god uh, Ponhoffer says here I'm going to misinterpret him a little bit choose god or choose the fuhrer we we were wordsmithing that 
choose God or choose yourself. Choose God or choose wokeism. Choose God or the government. The last thing we want to do is choose God. Mm-hmm. Again, in Bible class, we talked about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. and Here he is, the only one standing up for God on the mountain. And he looks at the people of Israel, and it says all Israel was there. And he says, choose this day who you will serve. And what did they answer? They were quiet. <laughs> yeah, they answered they not that. at all. And I'm afraid that's the voice of Christian America today, that we're saying, yeah, I'm not going to choose sides in this. <laughs> if God wins, good. If the world wins, well, good. I'm going to have one foot in each camp so that I know I'll win no matter what. That's like Tyler betting. I'm going to bet on both teams. I, I don't do that. I know you don't do that. <laughs> don't hedge my bets. Well, you know, you 50 to 1 and 10 to 1, yeah. you could, right? Yeah, so a church that's devoid of discipleship, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, is devoid of Christ, the crucified Christ. And therefore, it no longer has the message of salvation. Sad thing to say. Mm-hmm. Somebody out there saying, but I'm a good Presbyterian, or I belong to the United Methodist Church in America. Well, good for you. Wesley's turning over in his grave about what you've become, but don't worry about that. <laughs> Presbyterian Church in America, yeah, Calvin's flipping over in his grave about what you've become because you've compromised with the culture. Are there things we can compromise with the culture about? I've always been, I've always been of the opinion that you can compromise. Uh, you can compromise. I'm trying to think of how, how, I, how I best want to say this without getting in trouble because I... There's a sense that you don't compromise, but there is also a sense of uh, maybe adapt is probably mm-hmm. a better word. You can adapt to changing culture. You can adapt to the demographics of your congregation changing, but no, you can't compromise in the sense of biblical truth. Yeah. Um, so, for instance... Um, you know, you're you're living in a community that is getting younger, right? So you've got you got an, an in you're in a you have an influx of families that are under the age of you know they're in their 20s and 30s, okay? You know, and, and you're a you're a church that you know is really trying to reach into that type of demographic, really mm-hmm. reach into that type of community. Well, you would you would do things that would use if you if you're living in a community that is that has a demographic of you know where average age of families are in their th- you know in their 30s you're not going to do things of for families that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s you're going to adapt and do things for those kinds of families and make things available for those kinds of families you're going to have family oriented events you're not going to have just you know that's like that's that's what i mean like mm. it might be it might be a little bit out, you know, a little bit out of your comfort zone for that, especially if you're an older congregation that has never really had young families. But if you're trying to adapt and trying to to expand your group, I'm thinking of a very particular congregation that we know and love very, very much. But you've got a you've got a neighborhood that is changing around you. You need to be willing to do things for that community. Yeah, I'm, 
and not just I'm, I, I'm gonna name I'm Saint Stevens I change not yeah it's just it's just one of those it's just one of those things where you you, you can adapt to, to you can adapt to culture but you don't compromise to culture I think sometimes the fear of yeah. that the fear of that is well if we adapt to culture that means that we have to yeah, means we have to compromise, and that's not yeah. true. So if the government says tomorrow every citizen has to have two gentle cleanings per year, okay, as a Christian pastor, I would say, hmm, not an issue. If they said you have to marry um, same-sex people, couples in your church, uh-oh, we just compromised the Word of God, and I have to say, yeah, no, put me in prison. I'm not doing that. Okay, so... Not everything is a red line with the Word of God, but I'm thinking of the seminary you go to where they told me, 2003, there are no such things as adiaphora. Adiaphora means what? It's neither forbidden nor commanded. There's no such thing as adiaphora because if you compromise on anything, you've compromised on everything. I said, holy cow, then why are we even talking about that? <laughs> right. They don't teach it anymore, by the way. Oh, good. Thankfully. Good. That was back in the worship war time. Uh, I said, yes. oh, man, if you let drums in, you might as well sacrifice pigs on the altar. <laughs> no, they didn't say that, but yeah. That was the tone. But there are things we can yield to because they have no theological consequence, but there are things we have to you know, I'm going to stand on this hill and die. Uh, and unfortunately, we tend to, we tend collectively, not Lutherans, collectively as Christians, we tend to compromise because we're intent on survival. Not only survival, we're intent on, you know, keeping our position, our money, our, you know. If they said to me, pastor, senior pastor, family God, along with Tyler, if you don't marry uh, same-sex couples, we're subjecting you to federal tax, and I would say, fine, yeah. we'll pay the tax. Uh, I'm compromising on that, but there's so many churches that are in fear of being uh, taxed out of existence, or, you know, I don't know, it's sad. Let's go back to the beginning. If, as a pastor, I don't know how to follow Christ, how in the name of the living God can I teach you to follow the living Christ? You can't. I, would say. I can tell you about it. You can it. tell you about it, but, but yeah, you should be leading by example. Yeah. That's what you should be doing. They don't actually are not impressed by your words, right? They're impressed by who you, who you follow. And if they see you following Christ, it speaks volumes. And if you are willing to compromise everything to maintain your position and your status in the community, et cetera, they'll see that too. Yeah. And what will they do? They same thing. Same thing. They'll compromise yeah. just the same as you. Which cycles me back to we are not training young pastors for the reality of the church today. And that's sad because that doesn't change the reality. You're just sending them out there like lambs to the wolves and uh, some will some will get it, and others will be flailing around lost. <laughs> and when the pastor's flailing around lost, so is his flock. You want to talk about uh, what you said before, what you said at lunch today about if you're going to take Bonhoeffer's work, life together, and put 60 
30 to 60 Lutheran, Lutheran pastors Lutheran in pastors. there and said, live by these <laughs> rules? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> say, hey, oh. uh, we're gonna all going to read life together. We're going we're gonna to sit together. We're going to confess our sins sing to each other. Psalms to one another. We're going to confess sins to one another. Right. We're going to well, listen to one another. <laughs> about to make me a pariah because I suggested that they would be much more comfortable confessing your sins to other people than to hear me confess my sins to you. <laughs> Very well. Yeah. Because our pastors have not grown up and lived out discipleship, whether Bonhoeffian interpretation, costly grace kind of discipleship, but any kind of discipleship. They are just, yeah, they're like leaves afloat in a tsunami. Uh, in this culture, it's a tsunami, and, and we're just floating along, ho- along hoping we're not going to get devastated by the waves, and, and uh, it's only going to get worse. So that's why I told Nick I've ruined him. I don't think that that's necessarily true. Well, I think, it was sarcastic. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think the more and more young, the more and more young pastors that we have that are devoted to you know learning learning discipleship tactics that are really leaning hard into the idea that you know this the the idea of of dying to self and i know we talk about it and i'm i'm very guilty of this you know talking about dying to self and being crucified with christ i was just uh, i was just engaging on in a conversation with someone i don't even know on social media because he was he had attacked one of my buddies on social media about of a, a view a guy that I a guy that really good friend of mine is very well versed in Jewish culture, very well versed in Jewish ideologies and things like that. And we were talking about baptism and and he brought up some uh, some ideas, some some different Jewish ideas of baptism and just got I mean, just got obliterated on Twitter and these th- this guy doesn't even know who my friend is and doesn't know anything about him doesn't know any of his background and was so unwilling to engage in conversation so i'm having that like i'm having this inner struggle where i just want to continue i want to continue to like be really sarcastic and really you know for for the sake of 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 my friend and and just continue to bite back i guess and but then you remember you know the you know what jesus says that because then he, because then he started, he started attacking just Christians in general. He went from, he went from, this person to all you Christians. <laughs> I'm like, okay, are all you Christians are selfish and are, are are just concerned with yourself and your your own feelings and da 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 da. And this guy's got, he has no, he hasn't asked me or my buddy any anything about either one of our beliefs. Why? My friend believes this or said this. He he didn't care about that. He wanted to make his point known and then take down everyone that doesn't have that same belief. Take him down with him. And uh, I'm just I was just that that whole idea of you know when Jesus says the world hates the world hate if the world hates you it's because it hated me first. And this is a guy who, who clearly does not have a relationship with Christ. And it's just one of those things where you just kind of feel like you have to dust off the feet and and move yeah. on to the next house and you just remember that uh you know this discipleship thing i know that that's that's not that's not nearly the same as having the, the gestapo shutting down your seminary but you know christians are being persecuted and and 
made fun of and you know raked through the mud in all kinds of different ways not just not just like that i know that's a very mild case but people in work and you're in work environments i know people i know christians who have tried really hard to engage in conversations and are actually and want to learn about other cultures other faiths and and there it ends up being a uh you know it ends up being monkeys in a cage throwing feces at one another and it's just doesn't doesn't always doesn't always work out yeah so i i just the discipleship tactics i think i say i say all that because if we have more young pastors like nick that are dedicated and devoted to discipleship paths and understanding what it truly means to be crucified with christ and to understand that when you are being raked over the coals as much as that may hurt as much as that may be painful for you and for others to watch you do that and to know that they can't really do much for it except maybe lay down in the coals with you that's it's okay and it's as Bonhoeffer says suffering is a badge of, of discipleship and a badge of honor he says something is it in in the uh, in the he says if we're not if we're not suffering if we're not truly suffering then we're not truly being disciples and I think that that's We've mentioned this countless times. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you walk around looking to suffer, but understanding that if you if you are if you are discipling the right way, then you're inevitably going to suffer. Right? That's really what he's saying. If you're doing it the right way, if you're well, doing it's that Second Timothy verse. If you even attempt to lead a, a, a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Right. I love that. Even if you attempt, even if you attempt, right? Yeah, and that, all that to all that to say is, you know, we're we're not going to be walking out of this office, you know, th- this evening, saying, "All right, God, send me your worst," or "Satan, send me your worst." But just knowing that we have we've been baptized, we have been we have been crucified with Christ. We we know that when we step out of here, and when there are cases of of just. You know, days like we had on Sunday, where it just seems like it's just one arrow after another, and you're getting shot in the back one right after another. This happens because we have died to self, yeah. and we're no longer attempting to protect ourselves because that's not what Christ did at all. Christ did not attempt to protect himself. Christ embraced embraced it. the suffering, yeah. and and I mean he. And he even asked. He can even say in a few cases he provoked it. Well, yeah, but he and and he also asked to not endure it, right? He's asked God in the garden, please take this cup from me. But then he says, not my will, but yours. Right. And I think that that's pretty well, much. I think he knew the answer to the question right. before he <laughs> yeah, asked it. it was, but yeah. 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 So our flesh says when we're persecuted, our flesh says, "How do we get out of this?" And God's word says, "Rejoice when you're suffering for Christ." I'm not saying that's easy, and I'm not saying you know, like you said, I, I don't wake up in the morning saying, "I haven't suffered enough for you, Christ. Please make me suffer today, so that I know you love me." Well, that would be sick. <laughs> But when suffering comes, we're supposed to rejoice because we've been found worthy of sharing in the suffering of Christ. Despite our flesh saying, get me out of here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What compromise can I cut? Can I make a deal? Mm -hmm. So I just, overall, as maybe as a conclusion, 
the nature of being a Christian in America has changed dramatically in the last 15 or 20 years. I don't believe we as a denomination and the church at large, I don't think we've prepared ourselves for what's coming or even what's come. So then if we haven't yet, how would you suggest then? Because I know I have some suggestions. How would you prepare then? It's discipleship. if, if If somebody's listening to this and they're saying, yeah, you know what, Pastor Jim, I haven't. I really haven't been prepared for this. I really, I've really kind of just taken this whole Christianity thing for granted, and I've really kind of tried to live by you know off the coattails, and I've really tried to not you know avoid suffering the best that I can. How how is it that okay, I? Okay, I'm going to use a marriage. It? Yeah, you knew I was going to say. <laughs> here comes marriage, right? Somebody in here is getting married in I don't know, seven weeks, roughly. How many days? You better know. You better know how many days it is. Well, too, too many days, <laughs> right? No, no, yeah, that's the, right. I told you <laughs> the not, answer is not soon enough. Not soon enough. Right? Not soon enough. Too many days until right. married. Yep. Right. How do you get married and say, but I'm not going to be a husband? How do you come to faith and say, I'm not going to be a disciple? I think there's a parallel there. Yeah, yeah I, I want all the benefits of marriage, but please don't expect me to. <laughs> <laughs> To do the husband part, because, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. I'd rather drink my beer and fish. Right? I feel targeted. Huh? <laughs> I you feel, feel targeted? targeted? <laughs> well, yeah, it was humorous target. Yeah, I know. We're all like that. We yeah. want the benefits. We don't want to face the, the cost. So, again, I don't, I don't know how to be a Christian apart from discipleship. I, would, I almost go so far as to say, you can't be a Christian without discipleship. That might be a little far, but yeah. Well, I would. How do you how do you bear your cross well, by not bearing your cross? Well, how do you how do you under, how can you understand Christ apart from discipleship? Is what I would say. Or all the other things. How do I learn to love unconditionally without discipleship? It doesn't come naturally. Yeah. How do I learn to serve? without expecting return except through discipleship. But those are things that have to be experienced and taught yeah. um, and modeled for you, really. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I model some of that for Tyler. But mm. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important also to... Uh, this was brought in Bible study last week about uh, different types of suffering that not every Christian is going to suffer in the same way. So... I don't think it's helpful to compare yourself to other Christians and how they're suffering, like in other persecuted countries, and saying, "Well, I'm not suffering enough. I feel guilty." But yeah. pouring molten lead down my throat because I won't deny Christ. Right. Oh, in North Korea. Or North Korea, yeah. or they've got one of those. Uh, what do you call those things with the big wheels? The road. The steamrollers. The steamroller. Oh. They lined up Christians and they just rolled over them. Yeah. yeah, we don't experience that. We experience more subtle. But it can still be suffering, even if it's more subtle than being steamrolled. I'm going to say I'm going to say something that's sick. It's easier to be a Christian when you face that kind of suffering, because you know you know what you're in for, uh, and so you're serious. Yeah. Yeah, and you. I'm not a cultural Christian. Would you I'm say not that, a social Christian. Would you, yeah. Would you say that you cling to that? You cling to that hope even more when you know. That you could that could happen the steamroll yeah. and the molten lava like that and molten light whatever it is 
like when you know that that's almost inevitable that that could happen to you at any time yeah you cling to that hope even more and i mean that's we we go back to this a lot that's why dietrich is with with confidence as he's being walked out to the to the gallows to be hung or naked. a wretched death I yeah mean, to be yeah. hung naked by a piano wire piano wire yeah uh that's that's where you know which is death by strangulation by the way if you don't know the difference right you don't break your it neck. doesn't break your neck you it, just sit there for two minutes or three minutes choking you suffocate right and but he says i mean he's there's there's you know there's documents that he was actually preaching to the person that was taking him to the gallows there's his alleged last words are this is the end but for me it's the beginning of life i mean you, you, you i don't i don't think that christians in america are necessarily saying that and having that kind of confidence i yeah. i think they'd much be they'd much be quicker because uh, i know that i've certainly thought about this they must be quicker to say you know what, I can deny Jesus because I still believe in my heart that, you know, and God knows, God knows what's really going on. That was an early church heresy. I don't remember what it was. Controversy when people denied Christ and then they came back to confess and rejoin the church and the church said, yeah, no. (laughs) Because you denied, right? Yeah. No, unforgivable. Yeah. So cling, cling to that hope today and always the hope that, that Christ has crucified, has been crucified, that we are crucified with Christ and even though we are dying a death and have died a death like his, as the Apostle Paul says, we will surely be united with him in a resurrection like his. And that does certainly give us hope. And as we transition into the next chapter of the book, I think we only have two more two more uh, episodes left. And we just got a new book in the mail today that I think we're excited about. Bonhoeffer Seminary Vision. We'll have to kind of see what that looks like. But there's more more things about that in uh about what we just what we've been talking about, kind of how cost of discipleship and life together, and you know, the kind of that idea in the seminary, kind of how that's going to portray and how that could influence influence us. But next week uh, we're going to be talking about resistance and ethics. I think that that's going to be uh, that should be interesting. And how how do we model discipleship when it comes to uh, what? my opinion uh what we are being called as christians to do now uh, in our resistance and how is it that we ethically treat and behave and think and be disciples so make sure you all turn tune in next week for that episode thank you all for tuning in today if no one has told you yet god loves you and so do we take care we'll talk with you next time